0: The United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. That's right. The NSCAA is now the United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org join today. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linke.
1: Hello everybody, I am Dean Linke, delighted to be with you for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap, reminding you that we were live and in color at the 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention back in January, and we were in the Team Snap booth, spending time with the movers and shakers of U.S. soccer men and women. During that time, we were able to do double duty with two of the members of the 1992 U.S. Olympic team. That's Eric Immler, who was a midfielder defender on that team, and Alexi Lawless. Now, Eric Imler also, by the way, works for Quick Goal, one of the sponsors you'll hear right here on this podcast. So it was great to make his connection as well with what he's doing with Quick Goal. And of course, Alexi Lawless is doing everything. They reflect on coming up in the 90s and being a part of that 92 Olympic team and how college soccer helped them and where U.S. soccer is today. And and even kind of a little look at uh, Sunil Galati and so much more it was a great time with Eric Himmler and Alexi Lalas and then also remember when you're at the convention it's for everybody and with such a big focus now on the landscape of youth soccer it was great to spend time with Scott Wollaston the Chief Executive Officer for Twin City Youth Sports Association formerly Twin City Youth Soccer that's in the triad Winston-Salem the club is booming it's growing Becoming I mean, one of the bigger clubs in North America. They just did an incredible fundraising campaign. They brought in new turf fields, and they brought in other sports as well. You're going to love his take on where we are. And keep in mind, he also had the vision to go ahead and partner with a major league soccer team. It was Seattle a long ways away, but he wanted to have that connection even in Winston-Salem. I love the take of Scott Wallace and the CEO for Twin City Youth Sports. Eric Imler, Alexi Lawless, and Scott Wollaston. They're coming up next on this edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
0: Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help with Team Snap. You can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, And no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash NSCAA1.
1: I'm Dean Linke, and I'm always looking for the kind of people that will cover every angle, that will allow you to check every box as you think about former player, a coach, youth soccer, and... And then when you get a guy who actually works with one of the sponsors of the show, that's an extra check as well. And there's more checks that uh, we haven't even got to. And I'm talking about Emu. Eric Imler, who, by the way, won three national championships with Virginia. Remind me of the years again, Eric. 89, 91, 92. Okay, so here's the thing. That had... Never happened again until Stanford this year. That was the last time in men's soccer any team had won three in a row. So I don't know if you were pulling against Stanford, so you would be the only one or whatever, but Stanford did it. They won three in a row. Eric, as you think about back on your days uh, at Virginia, talk about uh, how incredible that was. I've
2: told the story many a time, and um, it it was the best four years. Um, And if I could rewind the clock, I would definitely go back to the college days uh it was just a magical time you know the environment was unbelievable didn't know really what i was getting into um, felt incredibly fortunate to be recruited and and end up there and then i couldn't have uh i couldn't have spelled it out any better over the course of
1: 4 years it was unbelievable now during that time you're also with the US under 23 team and you made the roster for the 1992 U.S. Olympic team coached by Lothar Osiander. Remember, back in the day, that's how those teams were formed, right? Because there was no true pro league, so yeah. the best players were coming from the college ranks. What do you remember about that time? Uh, once again, unbelievably uh,
2: fortunate because I, I wasn't on the under-20s, so um, I was fortunate enough to be a part of the 16s, but then Fell out in those, those those other World Cup cycles. So to be called back in as a 23 and, and to go on um, that run to the Olympics was, you know, uh, unbelievable. You know, I, I look at it all
1: and say I was just incredibly fortunate. All right. So you checked those two boxes off. We mentioned now the tie to Quick Goal, one of the sponsors of the podcast. What are you doing with Quick Goal and what makes that
2: organization so great? So my job in, in Quick Goal is uh, my title is a technical field rep. Um my job is to go out and uh, make sure that uh MLS kitmen uh they have everything they need for their preseasons, check on them throughout the year. College coaches obviously, all the pro teams, so USL, uh NWSL, uh every single one of those folks have what they need. Um so I'm just uh it's a great little position because um I'm, I'm not necessarily a sales guy, I'm not necessarily a marketing guy. I'm a I'm uh I'm, I'm like Red in uh, Shawshank Redemption. I'm the guy that gets you things, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it's
1: pretty cool. Some of those posters re- were pretty, pretty nice, cool. by the way. I might tell what one of those for <laughs> sure. All right, Eric. Also, youth soccer and developing right. the future, which is you know such a big topic uh, these days with U.S. soccer. You play a key role in that. In fact, you're starting your own club. You've got the floor. Tell right, us about right. that. Yeah.
2: So um, fortunate enough to uh, meet a gentleman down in uh, Waxhaw, North Carolina, where I. Uh, I live now and um, he he approached me and said, hey, I'm going to build three brand new fields and I need somebody to help me get this off the ground. So I don't believe in my lifetime I'm ever going to be presented with that opportunity. So um, I'm going for it. So right now it's on paper. Uh, It's it's out on the world wide web and we'll see what happens as we build the, the marketing message from now till May. Big tryout season, and and hopefully we get off the ground
1: running. Eric Imler, as you know, the United Soccer Coaches, the convention, biggest show in the world. It's the who's who, and it's also a chance to reconnect. And, you know, the transition here now is Alexi Lalas is joining us here. He's coming up next, and Alexi's got his headset on now. But what do you remember about seeing the development of Alexi Lalas and where he is today as well, Eric? The hair was much longer. The
2: goatee was was... <laughs> was uh was his uh his trademark and um as i think back to those days alexi was the was the guy who kind of took it and ran with it right and uh he was a trailblazer and and um went off and did things that i dreamed of uh, but just never had the opportunity and and look where the guy is now i mean it's 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 a it's a great story and um whenever his name comes up i I am proud to say that I was once there, you know. Mm-hmm. We were once teammates, so that was What cool. do you
1: remember about Eric Imler as a teammate, Alexi Liles? Thanks so much for being with yeah. us, by the way. Thank you. Yeah,
3: num- number one, uh, just a great person. Uh, and number two, uh, a great player. This dude could glide. You know, we called him Emu, and he would... He would just, he had this incredible, uncanny ability to glide with the ball. You know how some players are faster with the ball than without the ball? Because you'd look at him and you're like, oh, I got this. There's no problem. This tackle's coming. And then he would glide. Uh, Claudio Reyna had the t- same type of thing where you, you, you look at these people and you say, There's no way that this guy is fast. And yet somehow with the ball, they got into that rhythm and dance. So uh, on the field, a great player. Off the field, you know, we've kept up uh, over the years. And, and as this game has changed, and I, and I know he, he mentioned it a little bit, you know, to, to be able to look back on the Wild West that was, that all three of us uh, uh, participated in on and off the field and to see where we are right now. I know it's really du jour to to to, to talk about how horrible we are and to tear down the system and we got to start from <laughs> scratch and all that. But for those of us that have been around and can provide a little perspective, uh, we've come a long way. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that we don't improve and it doesn't mean that there aren't problems out there, but uh, given what was going on on and off the field for, for us when we were, we were uh, coming out and just walking into the, uh, the, the the drafts that are going on today and just seeing what soccer is today, it is night and day. Oh, yeah. Here with Eric
1: Gimler and Alexi Lalas, both on that 1992 US Olympic team this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap and I love that you talk about that because there was so much to be proud of let's spend a little time here before we let uh, Eric go and go back to that 92 Olympic team because I also get to go around and do—I do the, the low-rent speeches, and, you know, Alexi does the big one, but when I do, they all, every time they always ask me, who's the greatest goal scorer you were around? Because remember, I was with the women's national team, the men's national team, the Olympic team, and I always say, first, Michelle Akers for the women's team, and then for men— it's steve snow i mean that guy was ridiculous right i mean i don't know what was going on off the field but i think he scored a goal in almost every olympic qualifying game like when it was game time what do you remember about steve snow he was awesome
2: yeah he was uh he was not afraid um you know forwards are kind of a as goalkeepers are they're kind of in their own world forwards are kind of the same thing and he kind of danced to his his own drum and um But when it came time to do what a team needed to do and that's score goals. He was the guy. He, he was always there. So. And It
3: wasn't, it wasn't conventional. Uh, once again, if you saw him walking down the street, you wouldn't say there goes an incredible goal scorer. You know, he had that whole Luis Suarez thing where it would just kind of hit off different parts of his body and then he would just find his way to get... But when that ball was in the box, he, he, he smelled it. He smelled those opportunities. And he was probably a man out of time because had he been born 10 years later, there were, I think there would have been more recognition yeah. as to who he was. Yeah. Uh, when it didn't work out ultimately with the, with the Olympic team, you know, maybe he would have had... Uh, uh, other opportunities when it came to the national team. So it's not it's not a wasted talent, but I think of what could have been had he been born into what soccer is today and all the different uh, paths absolutely. and opportunities there are. Absolutely. When you think yeah.
1: about that team as well,
3: Everybody talks about, particularly back then,
1: that USA was such a great place for goalkeepers, right? And you guys were there. You know, Brad Fredo, Casey Keller, I mean, Jurgen Sommer, Ian Foyer. I mean, the goalkeepers that you came up with that had to make you feel pretty good about what you were doing out there. We could save our ass all the time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we gave them plenty to do. <laughs> but they were big time, right? I mean, could you tell right away these are special goalkeepers?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they, they saved the ball. They... They wanted to save the ball. You felt confidence uh, behind you, but you know you look at that generation of players. Whether whether it's uh, you know uh, uh, we're talking to Eric now, but you look at Dante Washington and Kobe Jones and Chris Henderson and all of these different guys that uh, that 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 were so important and were such a huge part of my life. I mean, we traveled the world, whether it was through qualifying or the actual games, and then you know to the Olympics. But we also grew up together because we were at that age. I know people talk about the the growth of players now when when you're 15 and 16, and stuff like we're we're a little bit older, but relative to what American soccer was, it was incredibly formative years. And we we learned a lot. I know I changed as a soccer player, but I also changed as a a person going through these incredible experiences, these unique experiences that nobody had been through. And, you know, we'll still walk around and we'll see each other. And uh, it's been, what, 20-plus-some years uh, since yeah. then, yeah. but it's still an important part of our life because of those experiences that sometimes have nothing to do necessarily with even kicking the ball.
1: Right? Yeah, you had right. to learn to deal with dynamic personalities at a young age as well, and, and not even necessarily dynamic, different. We mentioned Steve Snow. I think of, you know, Alexi is as you know, out front of it you were, you even admitted, you know, I grabbed it, it was a bit of a mm-hmm. shtick as well. You took advantage of it and now that you've evolved in this role. But like Troy Dayak, I mean, that guy was out there too, right? Like yeah. and he's had great success coaching kids.
2: Yeah. yeah. I look back on that whole time and it was it was full of unbelievable experiences. But now that I'm on the other side of the sidelines, I realize I, I realize how absolutely naive I was. Like I, I just I never real I knew it was a great thing. I knew it was an unbelievable experience, and it was something I would remember forever. but the more years that go on, the the more I realize how much i didn 't even really understand what was going on I mean when we were there, Claudio was being i thought he was going to sign with Barcelona yeah. yeah, you know like and and you had Dario Bros, who was going to europe and Kurt Anolfo went went to Europe and all these things happened. And during that time when we're talking about Casey Keller, you know, with the bust up and Mm -hmm. and, and ends up going on to start his
3: international career. I mean, and there was no, there was no MLS. There was, there was no, there was no MLS, obviously no NASL, no (laughs) USL, you know, no professional soccer. I mean, there was some professional soccer, but a lot of it was indoor. So it was a real wild west type of feel for what you had. And so you know, we were all fighting amongst ourselves for position. We were all fighting amongst ourselves for attention. We were all fighting uh, amongst ourselves to a certain extent to be noticed, uh, to have opportunities that, that came along. A- and just like anything else, there's there's drama that goes on on and off the field, but it is it is managing personalities and dealing with personalities as a young age. And that's why I think it's so important for, for kids to, whether they play soccer professionally or not is, is irrelevant, but being involved in in team sports and having those, that dynamic and being able to understand it and being forced to deal with others, uh, and and ego and drama and all the things that encompass uh, being a part of a team, I think it makes you a better person. It gives you tools and skills that are going to help you going forward, even if you never play soccer again.
1: As we reflect, and we'll let Eric Imler go here and then transition to Alexi Lalas, Uh, when you think back on it, remember you were college kids and you were playing against, uh, perhaps on some of these teams, professional players, but then you think about the success, and you just said so many names. Were you disappointed you didn't make it to the second round, or were you just happy to be there? What do you think about that now, today?
2: Uh, yeah, I think we were um, – I was, I was massively disappointed because I remember – and maybe I don't have this right, but we played Poland in the third game, and I felt like we thought that if we got a point out of the game, we would get through. Mm-hmm. And that would be all that we needed. And we went up one nothing. We go down 2-1. And then we draw a level at 2-2. And I think we walked off the field feeling like, okay, we did enough to get through. That's how I remember yeah. feeling. Yeah. And And then, you know, then...
0: Something it, doesn't it go right in the other group, yeah, or something like. This. You so know, we, we we expected like, Italy to win recently, the group, by the way. <laughs>
3: yeah. but I th- I think we ex- I think I know we expected more, and okay. I think we didn't quite live up to it, and that's why it, it's so important to take these opportunities because you never know we're gonna, when they're going to come around again, and it's easy in our older age to look back and say I would have done this, and that's kind of how life works and how everybody uh, everybody does it. But I I think I think about you know was it Was it something that haunts us no i don 't th- i don't want to speak for you, but it does it doesn't haunt us but I think that there was a even back then something that hopefully never goes away is this this American mentality that you know everybody believes from the outside that we 're not good, but give us the opportunity, and even at times we 're not we're Outmatched when it comes to the skill, we'll, we'll figure out a way to win. And there certainly was a, a, a grit uh, part of that team. It wasn't. It wasn't. We weren't just hoofing the ball all the time. But there was a grit part of that team that we thought w- would carry us into areas that previously hadn't been uh, seen from a U.S. men's national team perspective, right. or in this case, a uh, an Olympic perspective. So that that was that was disappointing. But but all in all, look, you know, we 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 whether we won a medal or not, we will always have that memory and the friendships and the, and the times that we shared. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Eric Himmler, as uh, we say goodbye, uh, reflecting on your time here this year at the convention and with Quick Go and that connection now to Team Snap on the podcast presented by Team Snap, uh, what are your takeaways uh, this weekend? You know,
2: we come back to the the East Coast. Last year we were in LA. It's always good back to, to get back to Baltimore and Philly. Kinda, it seems like kind of rotates between those two so it's always good to get back here it's got a, I've been coming to the show a long long time it's an event you highlight on the schedule every year because you know you're going to see so many so many faces and so many folks and uh it, it's just an awesome four or five days that you probably need a, a week to recover from but uh, <laughs> well yeah, no, it, it's always good
1: eric Gimler three Appreciate time it. three time national champion at virginia we'll have more with alexi Lalas when we come back it's the United Soccer Coaches Podcast,
0: Now, once again,
1: here's our host, Dean Linke. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Eric Imler for joining us. Alexi Lala staying behind. Alexi. You said it, it's good to reconnect yeah. with
3: uh, some people you played with, right? It's amazing. I mean, just the, 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 this convention, and I've been a bunch of times, and each and every time you just start walking, and you just run into every person from your past. Whether you recognize them or not is another thing, but everyone that you want to see, everyone that you probably don't want to see, and it is Soccer Central. And for those of us that are junkies like like us, it's it's wonderful. Uh, you're ready to head out by the end of the, the convention, and you get, you get a little bit overload at some point. But ultimately, for, for those of us that just love this game, and breathe this game to be able to, to be amongst so many people, other people that also do, because sometimes we're we're fragmented and, and kind of scattered around and you don't you don't recognize the incredible depth of passion um, and the knowledge that exists in the soccer community and the fact that it has gotten so big. We're we're a couple of older guys so we've seen this growth and growth and so maybe you have a better perspective, but I think you, you learn a lot and you certainly have a good time at these.
1: Well, you're so right, because they cover everything, youth, high school, pro, men, women, and even college. And I want to talk a little bit about college, because uh, mm-hmm. before you came on, Eric Himmler was talking about the fact that Virginia, you know, when Stanford won the national championship this year, Lexi, they became the first team since Virginia when. Eric Imler was on the team to win three in a row like that doesn't happen at the men's game like the way North Carolina of course rattled it off and now it's not happening on the women's game. But your time at Rutgers was important
3: to you in your development. Huge. Huge. And not just my development as a soccer player, obviously it was a step up from you know, high school soccer that I was playing in, uh, in Michigan. But but more importantly I look back and I became a better soccer player but I also became a better person for my time in college. And I know right now we discuss college soccer and, and I get it. It's flawed. And if we could change it, we would. But we know the behemoth that is the NCAA, and it's very, very difficult to do that, although some people uh, are trying. And if that were to be uh, done, uh, we we should saint them. but Because I think fundamentally it would change uh, what goes on when it comes to player development. And I think the college game is ripe for being uh, an untapped resources or or not as tapped as as it should be because of some of the problems that it has. And having said that, uh, there are different pathways, and college is not for everyone, but I do think that the skills that you acquire, and, you know, just, just dealing with responsibility at, at, at college, and the, and the social interaction that you have, and the good and the bad things that, that you have, and, and I'm not just talking about the class, but interacting with different people, uh, moving to a different place, all of that type of, de- of, of experience is development. And all of that, you know, we talk so much about the, the 90 minutes that soccer players play. And sometimes we forget about the other 22 and a half hours of the day that they have to fill. And if we don't send our soccer players out there in the world, the ones that are fortunate enough to be professional, and even the ones that are just uh, fortunate enough to play at a higher level, I think we have a responsibility to send them out there armed with the ability to deal with life, not just the ability to deal with 90 minutes of soccer.
1: You've had so many tipping point moments sticking with college soccer, winning the Herman Trophy, where does that rank? Because that's always going to be with you.
3: Yeah, so uh, I was uh, the other day, I, I, I read the uh, the report of this year's, now they call it the Herman Mack, before right. it was separated back in the 1900s when I was <laughs> doing it, but now it's the Herman Mack Trophy. Uh, and, and, it, and it filled me with pride and joy that this this generation, now 20-some years later than when, than when I do it, uh, are still being awarded this, and uh, that it's still around, and that there's still this recognition of the importance uh, of of the the student-athlete and doing well on the field. It was an incredible moment for me. I was incredibly proud because uh, I had come from Michigan to Rutgers. I had never been to Rutgers University, exit nine off the turnpike in New Jersey, let alone to New Jersey. I did everything wrong in terms of picking a school. So if you're listening and you're picking a school, don't do what I did. There was basically a Soccer America on the bottom uh, of this this uh, stack of Soccer Americas that op- I opened it up and there was an article about Peter Vermes and so I read it and said well Rutgers must be a good soccer place and I got rejected at all these places and the and the also on the bottom was a application to Rutgers and my fa- I, I did the application my father called the coach at the time and said I got this kid he's six foot four uh, he's got okay grades and this is what he has on his SATs and we drove out the sixteen hours to New Jersey and the coach looked at me and said look. I can't give you any scholarship, but what I can do is uh, I'll invite you to preseason, and I'll get you into the agriculture school. <laughs> now, I grew up in Michigan, but I sure as hell didn't grow up on a farm. Right. But it was the best thing I had going. So, uh, but it was also, from a soccer perspective, I, it, it, I loved it, and I ate it up because it was a higher level of competition. It was in New Jersey, a soccer hotbed. It was better, uh, better coaching. And to have the ability to go to national championships – uh, and, and from an individual standpoint, to win the Herman Trophy, it was incredibly, incredibly proud for me and for, uh, and for Rutgers University. As I w- said, just one of many tipping points for you as you always seize the opportunity. I
1: mean, to talk about Carpadium, I mean, you were all over it every single time. And I'm just going to fast forward through all of that sure. to right here this week. And you uh, spread your tentacles everywhere. You were a part of the discussion with Sunil mm-hmm. Galati And you asked him some tough questions. And
3: what's your takeaway from your time with Sunil? I think that it, it, I think it was kind of cathartic for for you know, I think obviously Sunil Galati the president of the U of US soccer right now the outgoing president he's not going to run again. He's he's been in charge for the last 12 years and it's an incredible amount of good, but also it's come into criticism, especially when the U.S. men's national team doesn't make the World Cup. I'm fascinated by this election, uh, by the candidates, by how they're going about campaigning, by the the, the diversity that we have, and not just diversity in terms of, of, of both men and women, but also diversity in terms of thought and background. Uh, because this is, this is a moment where I think change is warranted, change is going to be good. But I think it's also interesting to see what... The candidate's perception of the job is, and then maybe what the reality is. And so, having talked to Sunil, I think he gave a good idea of some of the misconceptions when it comes to what the job is, how he did it, and I think he really wanted to talk about some of the things that I think he feels uh, are being uh, are are being put out there that are either uh, shaded or completely wrong. And I think I think he dealt with those. My responsibility was to ask him not just softball questions, but ask him questions that people out there have with regards to uh, his business dealings, what he does, what he doesn't do, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, it was fun. It was informative, and it was interesting, and I like to think it was entertaining. Final two things here is that we're spending time with Alexi
1: Lalas. I know you're really busy. You were the perfect example of taking advantage of a World Cup. Mm -hmm. We think we're going to get another World Cup at least shared with Mexico in Canada What will that mean to everybody here and perhaps even people
3: younger? I mean, you lived it. Yeah. I mean, so when the U S men's national team didn't qualify for this summer's world cup in Russia, uh, which I will be at, uh, for Fox and I can't, I I can't wait. It's obviously a bummer. And I think everybody gets that, but when it didn't happen, I was not only sad because the U S isn't going to be there, but I was sad because the platform of the world cup was taken away from an American player. And it could have been Christian Pulisic. It could have been anybody. Now, we have those platforms from the men's perspective every four years and the women's perspective, and we can't afford to waste it. And when it comes to an individual, one of the reasons why I'm talking to you today is because of that summer of 1994. And look, we, we lived it. You, you, you saw what it was. It changed my life forever, and I lived the power of what a World Cup can do to an individual. And I want that, that experience to happen to somebody else. And it might be a player that we know right now because 2026 is a long way away, but it's going to come quicker than we think. Uh, fingers crossed that we get the world cup with our with our friends from the north and the south and joint hosting it, and that player that, that that player that we might not even talk about or might not even know right now is going to step on that stage, and that spotlight is going to be shining on him and hopefully they grab it and i I, I did it many many years ago, and it changed my life forever and i 'm so thankful that I, that you know the ball went in the right direction and, and things things went well for me i don't i milked it for all it was worth on and off the field i had a blast doing it i don't regret any of it i remember most of it not all of it but uh but it was great and and i want that experience for a player in 2026 so well said because you get the
1: glitz and glamour of the world cup you get the glitz and glamour of major league soccer my final question is you think about that level and then you think about these incredible Youth soccer Mm -hmm. programs, the mom and pop, and tying it all together always is the United Soccer Coaches, formerly the NSCAA. They still have, I think, something I appreciate growing up from the Midwest, that small-town feel, even though this is enormous, they kind of hold everybody together.
3: They do. And, and yeah, keeping that, that mom and pop feel is, is all fine and well. And I think that there's elements that are going to, to, to be kept. But there's also a recognition that this keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you can't, you can't do some of the things that you did in the past. But the good stuff they're keeping and stuff that needs to be changed in order to accommodate this new world that we live in, that's what's, that's what's going on. And look, we, we need organization. We need leaders. And certainly when it comes to coaching, we need to be able to identify, to be able to um, educate, uh, and to be able to uplift coaches. And not when I say uplift, it doesn't mean coaching young players and then uplifting to coach older players because the importance of a coach for an under-8 team is equally as important as the coach for a, a U.S. men's national team in terms of the impact that you can have on that player, not just as a soccer player, but as a person and making sure that there are opportunities out there for coaches to get that education that they need, to get that support that they need, and to send them out into the world with the knowledge and armed with the knowledge that they can have a dramatic impact and a positive one on not just professional soccer players, but just soccer players and people that have soccer in their life. And and when you send them out into the world, they may or may not play soccer again, but you will have... Armed them once again with the tools and the skills to deal with the life. And that will have come because you're a good uh, soccer coach through the wonderful game of soccer. With that positivity, I can't let you go without asking this because on
1: social media, you are amazing because you've got this high-profile job, right? And you got people telling you you're great a lot of times, but then you got people telling you you're nuts, you're crazy. You still respond to them, you know, you, you talk to them.
3: Well, it's, and I, I, I fear that I've given people a warped perception in that, you know, I do, I probably respond more to the negative and that's just, that's just the entertainer, entertainer in me. And sometimes it's just more interesting and, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. So I, (laughs) I, I get all that, but the reality is there's, there's a whole lot more good than bad out there, but you know, I, I, I can, get, uh, I can get trolled and I can get tweaked about a- anything, but I like to engage. And uh, I've been around a long time. I've developed a pretty thick skin. If you're going to be in this game and certainly in the capacity that, that I am, you, you better be able to handle people being critical uh, and saying horrible things about you. But, uh, you know, Twitter... Also, I have to I have to warn—not warn myself and warn everybody—that while it can be an incredible focus group and it, and it can keep your, your finger on the pulse of what's going on, you also have to be careful not to completely rely on it in terms uh, of the of the problem of it being an echo chamber and what. What, what you perceive as the general sentiment out there based on Twitter might not always be the case. But for me, I look at it, number one, as a news source. And so I, I get all of my news and I get it immediately. But number two, I look at it almost as a video game uh, in that it entertains me and that I play it and that I know, some, I guess, some of the cheat codes, if you will, in order to have the effect that I want. And you can nowadays you can curtail a game um, and, and create it to... Your specifications, and in a certain sense, that's what I do with Twitter. So you think about that. There's some negativity on there, and here
1: you are at the Team Snap booth here, and then it's also tied to Positive Coaching Alliance. Yep, Jerry I'm, I'm Smith, heading over there Lady right Tessie,
3: now. Danielle Slayton. Yep, I mean that's what it's all about, right? It is. It is, and it's connecting people and and recognizing that while it continues to get bigger and bigger, the the connections that we have and the partnerships and just the communication that we have is vital going forward, especially in this world where there's so much information flying around. It, it, You know, we're at a moment right now where a lot of people are saying we need to do this, we need to do this, this is the problems and all that kind of stuff. And we have certainly plenty of problems. But the ability to solve those problems are in places like this with these people uh, that have so much experience and such a depth of knowledge and being able to utilize that and giving them opportunities to talk about their specific uh, challenges that they have because it's all different everywhere that you go some of it is is familiar and some of it uh, is is the same but a lot of it's different depending on where you play where you're from the climate it could be affected by a million different things so it's is a wonderful place for everybody to come together that loves this game and establish those connections and and network as they say lexi lalas thank you dean you're You're doing a great
1: job my man the big redhead number 22 we'll be back with more after this ready to ditch your spreadsheet team snap can help you streamline your club and league management their customers save up to 15 hours each week on communication registration scheduling and more bring your club or league into the 21st century with team snap go to teamsnap.com welcome back to the united soccer coaches podcast presented by team snap dean linke delighted to be with you and thrilled to be with scott wollaston who is the executive director for Twin City Youth Sports. He also, by the way, and I love saying this to him, he gets a little embarrassed, but... uh Winston Salem not too long ago named the top forty under 40 and Scott Wollaston is one of those cool cats as well. Scott, great to be with you. Thank you.
4: Appreciate being here.
1: Scott, busy time for you as we think about the boy, the landscape of youth soccer is incredible. And here you go now with Twin City Youth Sports, even bigger than soccer, but let's face it, soccer the foundation, right? The bread and butter of what you do and Man, here you go. You've just added incredible turf fields. You're going to host all kinds of tournaments. You're growing. You're getting bigger and better for your
4: membership. Yeah, it's been really exciting to add the other sports to the program and try to uh, just align them culturally with what we're trying to do. It's been great to try and learn a little bit about these other sports and how different they are, but yet we're all trying to do a similar thing.
1: When you were thinking about your growth plan, though, you really stepped back. You actually worked with a consulting firm to Mm -hmm. figure out which direction to head and talk about that process and then talk about what you learned from it. And then
4: of that, what elements have you already executed and What elements do you plan to execute? Take your time. Yeah, so we contracted with a group called the Huddle Up Group out of Arizona. I'm a consulting firm to really uh, come out and look at our facilities and our programs and say, some things you're doing really well. Here are what stakeholders that have either been to your facility or would consider coming to your facility, what things they feel are are positives. You know, they did a SWOT analysis and looked at our strengths and our weaknesses, some opportunities and threats, and, and from that it really framed up some recommendations for what we should do as an organization. One of the key points was was that we really needed to make sure that our facility could be utilized year-round. We have a great facility in bb Sports Park in, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina that has uh, 14 Bermuda grass fields that have, we've been able to host a lot of great events and um, and people really enjoy coming there, but the fact is we've had to shut it down about four months out of the year because of either trying to protect the fields in the winter from damage or trying to grow beautiful grass in the summertime. So they recommended that we put in year-round artificial turf fields. So we were able to uh, launch Capital Campaign and were able to uh, make that happen and build put 450,000 square feet of turf on our existing fields through that process we know that our other things that we're going to be able to do at the facility include adding a multi-use path system and trail system for our membership and visitors to really really be active around the facility in the future we're looking to enhance our stadium field and make it more of a a true stadium venue with locker room facilities press box and then in the future we're looking at another grass field add to our amenities at our field house but through that process we also were able to work with an outside group, an independent investor that is now going to build a 115,000 square foot indoor sports facility adjacent to our park, which you put those two things together and I think we have one of the most versatile, well-rounded facilities in the southeast that we're not only hosting, obviously, outdoor sports, but now indoor sports as well. So it's been an exciting time, certainly a bit overwhelming, humbling, but it's, uh, it's been a, a great experience so far. Not only do
1: you put those four months back in place, Scott, but you also now can be a marquee destination for big tournaments, even regional and quote pseudo
4: national tournaments mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we're excited about, about being able to host that, host other events that we haven't been able to host. Clearly it has these type of events have a tremendous economic impact on the area. I feel like that's a real possibility. Name some of those events that will be coming to the incredible BB&T Sports Park. Yeah, so we'll, um, in the summer we host uh, U.S. Club Regionals, uh, the Southeast Regional. That's in late late June. The last several Octobers and this coming October again, we're going to be hosting the U13-14 U.S. Soccer Development Academy Re- Regional, which is a fantastic event if you ever want to see High-level soccer for that that age group—it's pretty pretty incredible. Our local Visitors Bureau, Visit Winston-Salem, has done a great job trying to get out there and attract some some other marquee events. We have our own Southern Soccer Showcase in April that we bring in a bunch of the ACC women's teams, such as UNC, Chapel Hill, Wake Forest, uh, Virginia Tech, NC State. They play exhibition games at our facility alongside U13 and 19 girls teams that are looking to be recruited. And um, it's a really cool environment that I think is very unique to, to be honest, any any other event in the country where it's not like, they're just showing up and watching the games in the stadium, and then they go somewhere else and play their tournament. They're literally, they, a team could be playing on one field, and Anson Dorrance is, is coaching right beside them, which is, a, which is a cool experience for the kids. That's outstanding. A lot of talk this
1: week about the landscape of youth soccer. Obviously, you're now more than youth soccer. Youth, you're youth sports as well. But mm-hmm. as you take a look at the landscape of youth soccer with Academy and everything else. What's kind of your view as an executive director
4: of this fine club? Yeah, you know it's interesting because it is always changing and I think that organizations that are, are are doing well are ones that are willing to change and adapt. And I think that we've been able to do that pretty well. I think it's so important that you're able to offer every level of play. Don't lose focus on the recreational level. That's your base group of players and we want to continue to, in our communities that we work in, want to be able to provide the opportunity to play soccer for every kid, no matter what. And I think that we have to always be focused on that. But while we're focused on that, we have to be listening to the top of the pyramid. Those that are doing it that want to produce high, high high-level players that can ultimately play on our U.S. national team, we have to listen to them about what we should do down through our organizations and, and try to do that. I would say for me if, if there was anything that i would l- i would love to see changed is i think that it's getting harder and harder for coaches to they can access a lot of information but it's getting um, extremely expensive for and obviously any in any career any profession you've got to you've got to invest in yourself employers need to invest in their employees to help them develop and, as professionals and i think everyone is willing to do that but but some of the courses and things are Getting to a level that it, it's hard to send someone for a couple, three, four, five thousand dollars for a youth club to send people out to get that type of education that they need to get. And I think uh, if, and I know US soccer does a lot to supplement that and, and to make it somewhat affordable, but I think that that would be something that I'd like to see a way for our coaches to get access to that, especially at in grassroots level when it's uh, is quite expensive. But I think it's exciting. I don't think, I think a lot of people have obviously made a big deal about US not making the World Cup. I see it as a, clearly a wake up call, an opportunity to make some changes. But just because something like that happens, I don't think everything needs to change. And I think we're doing a lot of, at the gra- grassroots level, I think we're doing a lot of things the right way. Things have changed a lot. Back in the 90s, early 90s, we were celebrating making the World Cup, right? We weren't just expected to. And it's good that now we're expected to. I think that says something. Yeah. Well, what
1: a great take. Scott Wallison, Executive Director for Twin City Youth Sports, incredible new turf fields. They'll be hosting all these events. And- Last question uh, is You link it all together. Even long before you brought the turf fields in and you did the capital campaign and you talked about growth and maybe even merger down the road and everything else, you felt like it was important to exist with a professional team. And you looked around, there wasn't one really close. So you merged with the Seattle Sounders. Why'd you do that?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that clearly MLS is uh, paving the way in in u s soccer you know you look at how much it costs to uh, buy a franchise you know ten twenty years ago and you look at what it costs now that tells you how much MLS has grown. And we wanted to align with something bigger. We don't have that level of pro soccer in North Carolina. And uh, we wanted to be a part of something bigger. Like you said, we, we looked at a lot of different clubs and there's obviously fantastic MLS teams and clubs all over. We were specifically interested in aligning with an academy that we felt was extremely progressive we fortunately had good relationships with uh, guys like Mark Nichols at the Seattle Sounders Academy who had formerly come from North Carolina and he really thinks about the game at a, at a high level when we felt like what we were really looking for, besides being a part of something bigger, we want to be part of a club that was really going to focus on educating our coaches and making them think a little differently about the game. And we've been able to get that with them and really going through some workshops with the Sounders, them coming out to North Carolina, working with our staff. It's been a really great experience for us, and we're really appreciative of that that partnership. And finally, your team, some of them have had great success with Team
1: Snap as well. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap Scott, mm-hmm. so obviously, they're an important part of what we're doing here, and they help uh, your club communicate
4: to your coaches and and, and parents and players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, um, you know, obviously being on the administrative side of the club a lot, we work with a, a lot of volunteers, and uh, volunteers don't have tons of uh, extra time to go through, deal with all the logistics and communication and all those things. So, um, a lot of our managers use Team Snap to communicate with our with our individual teams. Um, you know. Last-minute practice cancellations, uh, making sure they know the schedules for the weekend, all that stuff. At the end of the day, your families, fortunately or unfortunately, they think about their kid, right? And yep. what their ex- what the experience uh, their kid is having and communication is a massive part of that. And so um, it's great to have have Team Snap and, and that resource to be able to use to communicate.
1: You're always looking to evolve. You're always looking to learn. United Soccer Coaches, formerly the NSCAA, You always
4: come to the convention. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're always here as well. Why has that organization been so important to you? Yeah, you know, I love coming back to the convention because I think every year there's uh it's evolving and there's new ideas and more of our coaching staff finds value in all in the sessions and you know you take a little bit here you take a little bit there if you can take anything back it's a good thing i think from i think more and more is being offered on the business side and administrative side which has been really great to see that involvement it is a business and you have to run it well and the expectations are higher so getting access to some of those resources has been great and i'm glad to see that you know that the the um you know United Soccer Coaches are, are really trying to focus on both of those areas, which uh, that's uh, very valuable for me, I feel.
1: Scott Walson, it has been great getting to know you. Congrats on all your success and Thanks, your team. growth. It's certainly exciting. Thanks so much for being a part of the podcast. Sure thing. Thanks so much. Great to have Scott Wollaston, the Executive Director of Twin City Youth Sports and Twin City Youth Soccer. Big things happening in their area as well. And with you, soccer, love what he said about the fine work of Team Snap and the United Soccer Coaches. Also want to thank Eric Imler, a three-time national champion at Virginia, 1992 Olympian, who was joined by his teammate on that 92 Olympics team, Alexi Lalas, and then Alexi Lalas with extended time as well. Another great show. I want to thank each and one of you for listening. We'll see you in two weeks right here on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
0: By being a member of the United Soccer Coaches, you are a part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find coaches who are passionate about bettering themselves and their players. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org to find out more.